When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the podcast, everybody. I don't have that much today, but I'll just I'll jump into it. All right. So I don't know if I'm missing something, but we've talked about this in the past. The amount of influencers that are releasing speculative NFTs and their own coins seems yep. to be on the rise. Recently, Tech Lead, who I was surprised, I don't know the guy at all, but he's made money at Google and Facebook and all this kind of stuff and seems to be doing well, released a coin. Yeah. And is... An NFT or a coin? A coin. Okay. And in his own... Slightly sarcastic, but like, you know, this is going to make us all rich. We're going to do it. But, but he's also explaining the coin seriously, releases a coin and is pumping it is, you know, mm. slightly sarcastically, but we're going to the moon. It's going to make us rich. And it has gone up since he did it. And it's just such a. How much has it gone up? Uh, you can look it up right now if you can maybe find it, Justin. No, no rush on that. But well, I'm just curious because this is just a. Game of hot potato amongst his own audience. Exactly, it's just right? a Ponzi scheme. So like, there's, there's no, no, one... no value is being created. There's all, at the end of the day, all that will happen is some people will pay other people money. It is just it is just a gambling thing to see if you can jump in and get out at the right point. Because at no well, that, point will anybody ever in the world believe that anyone is going to use this coin as a store of value um, or to, as a useful thing. So it's just speculative gambling that is pitched as an investment opportunity. And... I'm just surprised that so many people in the world that I think, and I think this guy is smart, are behaving in a way that seems to me super unethically. And I'm, am I oh, missing something? He's deep in it. He's tweeting out constantly. Well, you have to. You have to pump. You have to trending pump. number one on yep. whatever thing. And so he's, you know, if you if you got in the moment he did, as you know, he owns fifteen percent of the coins. Of course, it's just such it's just such a way to scam your audience. And mm-hmm. and at the end of the day, if you make money, it will be off the backs of people that follow you that are greedy and you know or maybe just naive and i don't know am i missing something is there any is there any way that this isn't just a wealth transfer of from your audience to you and you have an advantage in a you're the house in a gambling game yeah but like with a much sharper edge than i don't know i mean unless he says he's taking no risk he builds this coin there's no value he puts he puts money into it he broadcast it to his audience which predictably it goes up because sure. people are and it's just like well not all coins are created equal there is uh, an argument to be made that there will be cryptocurrencies in the future that replace fiat currency of course but i'm i'd be curious if million token has any competitive advantages i'm surprised as i look through it he says who knows if it's true 73 million dollars in trading volume how big is tech leads audience how is he moving 73 million dollars through his coin 
Uh, I don't know, but I wouldn't be surprised if in the same way that, because I don't know a ton about coins, but when businesses are like, we're a $10 million business, and what you find out is that they had one month where they made $80,000. Interesting. Which which means that if they did that for the rest of the year, which they haven't yet, they would make a million in a year, and then they do the sale value of that if they got 10x multiple. And so they go from one good month to $10 million. I wonder if that same opportunity isn't available with... I so don't think, know how you think take 73 million and divide it by 365. And what he's saying is today <laughs> we moved this much volume. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Like, or I'm not saying exactly that, but just that there's a way to extrapolate. This is one of the things that we've mentioned in the past that really pisses me off about a lot of, um, the get rich quick things is that they'll show you, they'll do a launch in a month where they will do mm-hmm. all, they will condense all of their sales into a week and then they'll take that week, show it to you and multiply it as if they could do that 52 times and they'll tell you this is what this means a year when they know full well that that is not possible i'm not i'm not saying that exact thing is happening here but i wouldn't it would make a lot of sense to me if that was not the most representative number of the interest in this coin though it it possibly could be in any event look if if i'm wrong and one of these influencers coins becomes fiat currency and a, and a store of value that people can count on. And it's not just a speculative uh, vehicle, which you can get into hoping to sell to somebody else greedier and slower than you. I, I'm just disappointed, I guess, and shocked by how many people, like this guy has clear coding skills. Obviously, he's worked at Facebook and Google. And for him to spend his mind, his his time on something that has no value just to make more cash is... I guess kind of in line with his persona, but still disappointing <laughs> that we have so many bright people and people with uh, positions of influence just trying to enrich themselves without creating anything of value for the world. It's like, what a brain drain. <laughs> what a bummer. And I don't know if I'm missing something, if like I, I don't get the economics of this or something, but it's it's a bummer. Well, creating a coin is interesting too because it looks like he just started by saying the coin has a... I'm going to say this is rough math, $10 million, $10 million market cap, which just means, you know, I made this many coins and each one is worth $15. And then he mm-hmm. puts them on the market. But then anytime anyone buys anything, he just gets cash for their coin, if that makes sense. So even if it doesn't go up, he could just make $15 million just by getting rid of all his coins. Yes. I think, I think he put money into it, which he could take out at any time if there's no interest. It, no, I don't mean interest uh, like bank, like if there's no... If the audience doesn't respond, he can just... Yeah, I wonder how a market cap gets set for a new coin. That would be interesting. So I don't I don't know a ton about the details, and I don't want to go too deep into it because I, I really don't understand this. But at, at a high level, I am what I am zooming out to is like, is there a any sort of uh, belief that this will be valuable for people? Or is there only a belief that a handful of people will make money completely in a zero-sum game at the expense of others? Like... With businesses that we want to encourage, if a team of people get together to build a car and sell it to someone, there is uh, more utility in the world. I don't know what the economic term is, but we're like the person who built the car is better off. The person who has the car is better off and they've, they've exchanged value. This is just a casino game where he has all of the uh, he has the edge. And I suppose if you are like a casino, if you say that the value of this is that it's fun to gamble fine but that's not even how it's pitched it's not necessarily pitched as a fun gamble it's pitched as a uh as a way to get rich uh 
and it's it's said with certainty in in or high likelihood that is I think not representative of the actual risks and it's just just a bummer. And I'm not and I'm not even specifically this one just is the one that triggered me to think of it like every freaking influencer is just trying to scam their audience. I I'm that's all. I'm surprised. Not uh, bummed by it. Yeah, I don't know enough about it. I'm I'd never heard about it till right now, but googling it there are people who could be totally wrong, who could be lying to make him look bad, who are talking about how he's manipulating things so that he can claim he's not selling while taking money off the table. Even if he doesn't, like, what is, is, is his, or do you really believe that you're going to whip up a coin in 2021 that is going to be the fiat currency and you're going to hold 15% of it? Like, that's, that's not, that's not going to happen. Uh, so, or even fiat or even like a, a currency that is used. He also doesn't have an ecosystem. Like if Amazon releases a coin and say, hey, these are good for Amazon products, that, that means something because <laughs> you can exchange it for something that people want, like desks or produce or something. Uh, there's not anything that could be, it's just pure speculation. And I don't want to repeat myself too much. We can, we can move to a different topic, but it bummed me out. That's all. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, I would understand back in the beginning when people didn't know about crypto, how you could argue that maybe he's preying on people who are uninformed. But I'm curious at this point, the people buying, are they even victims or are they just participating in this game of hot potato kind of eyes wide open, like knowing that they're also not planning to hold this coin for five years? Because the people I know that got rich on Bitcoin, they bought it and then they just held it. Mm -hmm. And they even held it through its $18,000 rise years ago and then it fell to three grand and they kept holding it. And now it's up where it's and up. They and they just, sold it. Yeah, and yeah. they just bought it in 2006. Yeah. You know what I mean? So. Uh, not 2000. Was it out in 2006? That would be incredible. Say 2013. Uh, I, I thought it was out there, but sure. Call, whatever. I mean, it's far, far before 2013, which is when I met them and they were mm-hmm. already holding it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I feel like if you invest in this guy's coin and your plan isn't to hold it for seven years like when those guys bought Bitcoin, then are you really getting ripped off? Or are you going to the Vegas casino, putting it all on red and losing? And that's it. That's just how the game works. You don't get mad at the casino because Mm -hmm. you you made a bad bet. I think that this is different than casinos, which I also think are pretty unethical in the way that they do things. They've got their own ways of uh, inebriating you, pumping the room full of oxygen, hiding the clocks, just trying to hack your brain as best they can. But these are, one, it's someone that, uh, has built up, as weird as it is, a relationship with an audience. And it's not a human relationship. It's a strange kind of online relationship where there is a degree of trust because hopefully you've given them good advice in the past. And I don't think, I think that while there are some people that get the risks, I don't think that there's a uniform understanding of crypto out there. Like if you were to take my mom, for instance, she would have no idea what a Dogecoin is or anything mm. like that. And so there's gradations down from that somebody who's 45 and is just hearing about it or someone who um, really only watches a handful of channels and doesn't pay attention to the news or anything but they see this so I do think that there's a lot of people who are just not very financially literate and it's not being presented for the Ponzi scheme that it is if he were to say look here's how this works this is a game of hot potato and it's a zero-sum game 
And it's very hard for me to lose. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? So here's what happens. I'm going to use my influence to pump this thing. If you get in, you have a chance to get out making a lot of money, but also you might not. So let's play. If he, if he did it that way, it wouldn't be where it is. He's sure. presented it as something that it's not. It also might not crash for a year. So people in sure. it might not think it's as dangerous as it is in terms yeah. of an, an investment. We're headed it. towards regulation of this stuff because people are going to... Oh, yeah. I, said, I, I don't know if I ever said this on the podcast, but if you look at every illegal tactic that the stock market is regulated against... 100% of them will be done in crypto mm-hmm. until it's regulated because we've already run this experiment. We know this is exactly what people will do that is unfair and we've decided to make illegal, but they will do it to hurt others to make themselves rich. Mm-hmm. And now we just have an unregulated market and people will just do every single thing that's illegal in the stock market, but not yet illegal in crypto. Yeah. So that's just going to happen. Uh, and it'll, it'll probably move in the same order. You know, the most aggressive scam. And then when that gets caught on to or regulated they'll just move to the next one so it does show you and i don't know if it'll ever change if, if technology will allow us but it really does underscore the value of government which is in many ways pisses me off and is slow and corrupt and we talked last week about the scooters in santa monica mm-hmm. and all the bs around that but yeah if you if you don't have a third party that at least has some responsibility to the population at large what happens is uh evolution happens and the smartest sharkiest people out there accumulate all the power and then re-roll that power into establishing more and that's what happens and the government is a check against that we've i've mentioned this before but uh some people are anti-government some people are anti-corporation i just like them both being strong enough to check the other because what you don't want is just a single one of them having Mm -hmm. all of it um but yeah yeah. what's what's nice about capitalism is that when you think the government isn't doing its job you can go do it yourself Mm -hmm. so for instance santa monica for people who don't know venice basically decided they're going to clean up their homeless situation and they're doing it by just taking it oh you have a tent if you're here in an hour we're going to burn your tent you're you're just your stuff can't be it's not it's not that they're not going to burn your tent but yeah they will no no they will destroy your tent destroy your tent okay they'll put it in a sorry i'm being a little bit facetious (laughs) they will take it and put it in a dumpster truck that will smash it up and make it un usable and they're just going to go block by block to do that so the homeless people are leaving venice coming to santa monica the business owners union here is asking santa monica to do something to prevent this from just becoming the next place that has a lot of homeless hypodermic needles on the beach violence you know all the reasons venice wanted to do this santa monica is worried will happen here and the county basically said we're not going to do anything so they're going to the sheriff's department to try to hire their own sheriffs. Really? Yeah. Because the sheriff's department is its own entity. It can respond to the government when the government calls. But apparently, I didn't oh, know no this. no kidding. Private. You can contract it. Yeah, apparently. So they're talking about, uh, as a union, the business owners of downtown Santa Monica hire are trying to hire police. sheriffs wow. to take care of the neighborhood and because I they don't the private- feel like the government is doing a good enough job protecting the area. Well, and even before the sheriffs, you see Starbucks has a security guard on the promenade, basically. Mm-hmm. Like, because it, it it is cliche to say, but I will tell you, living in Santa Monica in that popular area by the promenade, it continues to get worse. And um, without, I feel like we talk, because this is our life, we do talk about these things a lot, but I will repeat some of the basics. Uh, the problem as I see it here, and I'm not on the ground interacted but it's not solved by shelters like it's not if every if every individual on the street were offered a roof over their head and three square meals this problem would not go away because it is 
a portion of it is homelessness and people that are on hard economic times. But what you see that is the most egregious in Santa Monica and is the loudest, literally, like the people who are the loudest, uh, it is not a homeless problem. It is a mental health problem. And one of the symptoms is that these people don't have homes and don't provide for themselves and uh, well, don't really have the capacity to. Yeah, homeless is, is a broad monolithic term yeah. that just encapsulates a bunch of different people. People who are down on their luck, got fired, didn't have the ability to pay rent and became people without homes. And mm-hmm. then also people who have drug addictions and then also people who have mental health issues. Mm-hmm. And so obviously you can't, no no single solution is going to help every mini demographic within the demographic that we consider the homeless. Yeah, But I've never heard people break it down like that when they're talking about policy. And so obviously you can't, you can't fix the problem if you're going to misdiagnose it and say all of these people are the same. They are yeah. all struggling for mental health. They're all just down on their luck and one rent paycheck away from bouncing back. Yeah. Like, no, there, there's very dis- different cohorts within the homeless. It seems like when, because I've been watching Soft White Underbelly, when you look at all of these people, I mean, of, there's a lot of people with hard upbringings, but uh, they're overly represented in the homeless yeah. community. Um and so this, I don't know what it is. Republicans would say it's the welfare states stepping in and subsidizing single mothers to uh, not have fathers in the home, which has created this thing. I actually don't know what the root cause of it, except to say that families that can't provide safety, shelter, and love to kids mm-hmm. creates this problem. Mm-hmm. And I don't, what does society have to do to create more families that are more capable of that? I don't know. Uh, again, there's there's people come at it in very different ways, which is part of the problem. Some people say, oh, what society needs to do is put a lot more money in to help a lot more people down on their luck so that kids can have these other programs. And, you know, if they don't have their dads, we don't stigmatize that. And then there's the Republican view, which is we need to, or, or I guess the conservative view is we need to shame people that have kids out of wedlock. We need to make sure that that is something that makes you socially... Uh, less acceptable so that you don't engage in that sort of behavior. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I don't know that either is right or I have, I have no idea what would work. And certainly that one doesn't sound nearly as nice, but it, it seems like a clear, the clear cause of this problem is upbringings that don't have support and love. Mm-hmm. And then what you can get as a person who is almost beyond, almost in some cases, and hopefully not definitely beyond repair at a certain time where they like can't, enter back into a happy, healthy, productive life as most people see it. Because, um, yeah, man, when you're out there, you're like, I've, I've watched it on Soft White Underbelly. I just talked to, I talked to a homeless guy on the beach the other day. They're in bad, bad mental spots. Yeah, yeah. You went back to his place, right? Yeah, <laughs> went back to his place. Just to see how he was living. Made a yeah, friend. I was very scared. Um, it is scary. That's the other thing that is a shame of it because uh, without... It's terrifying. It's terrifying. I was like, I went back to this guy's place. I was trying to be a little bit more heart-opened and heart-centered. Um, it was late at night on the beach, long story. But uh, I went to go give this guy my sweater because I was out there alone on the Santa Monica beach. And it's a long beach. It's I don't want to say it's a half mile, but it's it's so long. And so by the time you get to the ocean at night, which I don't think I'm supposed to be, it might be illegal. But uh, nobody cares. <laughs> so I'm out there. Yeah, but from street to water is a it's, long it's distance. long. Yeah. So when you hear the ocean, you can barely hear Pacific Coast Highway. Mm-hmm. And if you're to scream by the ocean, no one is going to hear you. Yep. So uh, I, I'm out there and there's this person who is rummaging through the trash. 
And I'm like, oh, this is, this is awful. I feel terrified of you, but you're also in desperate need. So I'm like, okay, what I'm going to do? I'm just going to give him my sweatshirt. I go to give him my sweatshirt. Immediately, he speaks in Spanish. He says, quiero ser tu amigo, which is I want to be your friend. And I'm like, oh, my God, what do I do? I want to get out of here, but I'm, I'm not trying to be cold-hearted. So I, I hung out with him for a little bit. I gave him my, my sandals and my sweater and was terrified the whole time. And he didn't try to hurt me. He was actually, um, in retrospect, once I was out of there, I was like, oh, he wasn't going to kill me. But he did take me back to his location, <laughs> which was uh, where he had some stuff where a knife might have been. And he wanted me to sit right next to him. And he wanted a lot of hugs. And I was doing it, but I was scared. And I think that, yeah, the, the fear, that, that fear I know keeps me and I think a lot of people from really being able to emotionally connect with it. Because... Mm-hmm. You are not wrong to be afraid of a lot of the people that are in the street. And that's not to say that they're evil. That's to say that uh, earlier that day, a guy called my brother a uh, a lizard in white skin and spat at him. And people will come at you on the street. And if you make eye contact with them, they will follow you and scream at you. And there is a, a sense that violence is imminent uh, out there. So, yeah, I don't it, – it's just a – I don't really have much of a takeaway other than I was terrified – this guy was desperately in need. I didn't need, like, I'm also terrified because he wants, you know, at some point he goes, what's your phone number? And I'm like, is this going to now become a, a, a suck on my life? You know what I mean? Like, I want to give, but I don't want to be, um, I don't want to be drained, mm. if, if that makes sense. And it's, uh, so I didn't give him my number, you know, and I, and I go, is that the right thing? Is that the wrong thing? And uh, I'd really like to talk to SW, Softwood Underbelly, because he's a guy who hangs on the skid row and I know gives a lot, but also has hit limits of his giving where he's like, I, I won't do that because he has seen that, A, it drains him too much, but B, it doesn't work in many of the circumstances. Mm-hmm. Like there are things that he won't give. He often offers people, I think, like cheap cell phones to stay in touch with their family, but that can even just get pawned and turned into something that continues a destructive spiral. So yeah, it's, it's messed up, uh, as a society. And, uh, I think part of the problem is that a lot of people don't have that are making decisions, do not have contact with it. And so, yes, yeah, I definitely (laughs) agree with that. And I, like, I only had a little bit, like I have contact from a distance when I walk down the street and avoid eye contact with people who are screaming at me. But, uh, you, you also need that close person-to-person contact to feel the sadness of the story and, and the desperation and, and what created it. Oh, and well, also, if you live in a rural area mm-hmm. and you've never encountered homeless or like when I was growing up as a kid, when you see a homeless person, what you see is you're driving in your car, mm-hmm. which is obviously safe. Someone's on the side of the road yeah. selling soft pretzels or trying to wash your car. Yeah. And that's that's your idea of homelessness. And then people are saying, oh, well, what should we do? And you you've never felt threatened. You've never been around six homeless people at the same time or uh, walked through a homeless encampment. It's just not something you've ever experienced. And so then you have an, you have an opinion of something and what should be done How could without, we? without How having could, yeah, yeah. any actual firsthand experience with it. And I think that that's, I think that's probably true of a lot. I mean, I'm sure people have views on abortion that have never sure. known anyone that got abortion or anyone that got pregnant on accident and people have views of gun control without having ever been near a gun. And yeah. it's probably true of everything, but I see it a lot with this particular issue just because it's so easy to not experience it unless you live in certain areas. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And so I walk away from that going, man, I don't know if I 
was too risky in my behavior or if I just gave a guy a sweater and sandals that he's going to sell for drugs and you know what I mean and now I'm walking home barefoot mm. so it's like and, you, and you're just you just don't even know the outcome sure. of your behavior so many times so it's it's tough um so moving <laughs> our tangent sure uh there's been a lot of Habib videos lately you know they interviewed him because of the Dustin Connor fight mm-hmm. uh and he did one with a BJJ guy that was he was just talking about like why are you so good and he didn't break down everything he didn't say this is my one thing but he basically sat there and said in his own way because he doesn't know this word that the key is strong adductors meaning that he can grapple someone and ride them with just his legs so he does exercises where he will mount someone and sit up and they like will full shrimp escape all this kind of stuff while he just clamps his legs onto them and tries to ride them yeah you're talking about the muscles that uh, it's are inside your of your together. thigh. Yeah, they're the inside squeeze. of your thigh that run from your inner knee yep. to your pelvis. Yes, and so he's basically he said, "I can control people without using my hands." And so, if they try to shrimp, I have extra time to punch them in the face. If they try to, it's like I just get to use my legs mm. to hold you down, sure. and I can take you down. And it's like, wow, it's. <laughs> I wonder. I mean, Habib is amazing, but it's. I wonder if he just like really hit an evolution in the sport that nobody had caught up yeah, with. Yeah. And was doing this exercise and these training things that made him just have four effective limbs as opposed to sure. what you see in BJJ is like you, you put weight on him, but you're not squeezing the crap out of him. You're like you use your hands to catch yourself when they try to shuck you. Um, and it was just interesting as he like sits there like a cowboy on this BJJ guy and he goes just, you know, and he shows like I could punch you here. I could punch you here. And yeah, he can just if you try to do anything, he gets to punch you. <laughs> It's interesting. So it's interesting because in jujitsu, that's the guard position. Yeah. So I'd be surprised that people don't have, I imagine the average jujitsu trainer has abnormally strong muscles there Mm -hmm. relative to the regular population. So it's interesting that he's just at the next level. Yeah. I used to train those for jujitsu, actually. Apparently it's terrible for your posture to have unbalanced, strong inner legs because then it pulls your legs in. So you have to work really hard then on the muscles that connect your outside knee to your glute because otherwise your posture will go to shit and your low back will start to hurt. Because I was training that for jujitsu specifically. Squeezing, yeah. And your body just goes, yeah, this isn't what we're designed to do is be imbalanced in this way. (laughs) So I wonder if he just has terrible back pain or extremely strong muscles on the other side to counter it. Yeah, it it was just interesting to think, wow, I wonder if the difference, obviously this guy has a ton going for him. And it's yeah, he was wrestling oil. bears at a young age, but just like, yeah, he's just, he can, he's got four good limbs and you've mm-hmm. got, you've got two that are really good at grappling. So, um, that was, that was a little thing. And then this is all that I got and then we can see what you have. Um, this one is a very different tangent again. I was reading astral codex. It's got a different name, astral codex 10 or something. I don't know. He's a guy that a lot of people read on the internet and he had, uh, book review contest where a bunch of people wrote in and reviewed books and the one that won uh, wrote on Georgism. And Georgism is an economic philosophy. I couldn't read it's It's complicated. I couldn't read the whole article. But the basic gist is that all of the problems <laughs> in, in society basically yep. are caused because land is the real value that we privately own without actually creating. And it is a way to have private benefit to public gain. So, for instance, if you purchase a uh, house in the Lower East Side and you do nothing to renovate it, you can Mm -hmm. keep it as a tenement, you you put no effort or anything, 
the community, one, it's land, which there is a finite amount and nature has made for you, which has inherent value to people to stand on mm-hmm. and like do things with. But the community around you, when they build stuff, you are getting a private gain of the value of your land from public good, essentially. So what is that? Like, so everyone else makes cool stuff. They make shops. They make Sorry, when you say public good, you mean the government is spending money? No, you I mean, mean your, your neighbors, community. your community. Well, it works in inverse too, though. Yeah. You can You can hurt the or someone else can hurt the value of your land mm-hmm. if they just turn their land into a waste pile yes so so essentially what he argues and and you can read the whole article on astral codex 10 if you want um is for close to or a hundred percent tax on land and the idea being that any improvements that you make to the land and you would have to distinguish this uh not tax there's like no other taxes in this in this world basically and it is just a pure tax on land, which is intended to redistribute to the community the value that has been given, in his view, by nature, which is just like you didn't make that, mm-hmm. and by community input. And it's uh, – I can't find all the potential breaks in it, but it was just an interesting idea. And it also makes me realize that if you, like, are really lazy and evil – not evil, but uh, if you're lazy and this guy's right, buy land – because it's the way to get rich without <laughs> without actually contributing. You could just buy a parcel of land, hold it, wait for the community to grow and contribute around it, and based on that speculative purchase, sure. But that does money. That does assume that the area gets better. Yes. Right? you can buy land and then lose money because the area gets worse. If mm-hmm. there's a ton of gun violence that spikes up in the area that didn't exist when you bought it, your land value is going to go down. So yes. it's not like it only goes one direction. No, but what he is saying is that the value created or taken from it is a collective effort. Sure, and that's and so it. But I'm just be, saying it can be taken from. Sure, it. and the dis, and then there should be then the land value will go down and the taxes would be reduced on that land. So what he's saying is from your private creations, which he defines as you know creating a house or a chair or a thing or whatever, no taxes. Like if you're interacting with something to that degree, but based on uh, anything that it comes from the community and from nature, which in his view is the foundational land and he has ways of defining it uh just put a fat tax on so i i don't know if so sorry works. no income tax no your rent would just skyrocket because you would no, have to so cover no 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 because what he argues is the way i mean you you have to read the article but he argues that this is going to reduce rent because really what's happening is a ton of speculative purchasing um and i don't know if this is true everywhere but i know that places like vancouver and whatever like they just have all these empty apartments as people sit on they're waiting for the community to just pump value into that that space um, and they know that they can just hang money out there and not use it. He argues that this would actually reduce rents tremendously because uh, all of the value of the land in New York City is just being redistributed to the people of New York City, and it's only the value that you put into the building, the apartment that you would be, that anyone would pay for at that point because you're just going to have to send all of it back. The value of the land just goes back to the community right away. So It's hard to imagine this would actually change anyone's taxes or mm-hmm. anyone's expenses, let's say, because you're saying... I would pay no taxes because I don't own land. So the 43% of my money that I send to the federal and state government doesn't get taken from me anymore. Mm -hmm. But the person that owns the land that this building is built on has to cover the tax. The government wants the same amount of tax revenue. So they're going to tax the person that owns this land. 100%. The money. Not Well, not uh, 100% doesn't really mean anything. They're going to tax this person the cumulative current taxes of every resident in this apartment complex. 
five floors, however many units, all that tax revenue will have to get covered by the person that owns this land in order for the government to receive the same amount of tax revenue. There are stores next to our apartment that are not full of people. So yes, this building has whatever, 50 families, but that one doesn't. And so it's not, it would be collectively distributed for the value of each land would actually be the same. And then the building would be appraised differently. Yeah, here's what I'm saying. Most people don't own land. Mm-hmm. So all those people would stop paying taxes. The government wants tax revenue to be flat. So all of the landowners are going to have a tremendous increase in their tax burden. Yes. They're going to try to pass that to everybody else. Mm-hmm. So I suspect you would see increased rent, cost of food, cost, like anything you bought from a store, the price would skyrocket because basically everything would increase in cost by 43% as the landowners tried not to carry this new burden because they want their outflow inflow to be the same. They want to make the same amount every year, even if they're hundred millionaires. So it's hard for me to imagine that they would just eat this skyrocketed tax burden of landowners. Mm -hmm. They would try desperately to get this off of themselves. And they're going to do this by charging more for every good and service and product that they have. Sure. I mean, I don't know. (laughs) Like all economic theories are, uh, really i don't i don't get them it would be cool to have a, the georgia song to understand it but it was a long thing and it, and it did if you're interested it, it covers you know but this is going to make the rent and goods go up and he talks about it and i'm not equipped to to really understand all that i just the, sure the, the thing no, that mine, I, mine's very high level yeah. tax revenue is going to stay the same that tax burden is going to go to a much smaller pool people that own land mm-hmm. those people are not going to stand for that. Mm-hmm. That's my whole hypothesis. <laughs> so they're going to do everything they can to go, oh, my cash outflows just skyrocketed as I now am part of 1% of the population and I have to cover 100% of the tax revenue. Mm-hmm. My outflows are skyrocketing. I'm going to try to make my inflows match. Mm-hmm. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And that's, that's my whole hypothesis is that they're going to do that. They're not going to just take it. Yeah, I, it, it might be addressed in there. Exactly. I did think, and, and there is something to it because when I was like, look, if you want to, the, the, I guess what you might say is part of the problem with our economy is we've talked talk about NFTs and this stuff is that there is so much speculative work being done. There is not enough production, not enough people focused on creating and so many people focused on uh, what, where can I put my money such that I don't have to do anything and it will become more valuable? Not, hey, what if I buy that house, 
rebuild it up, make it super cool and contribute to the area around it. Like, well, why would this change that though? I get why it would, it would make it so land wasn't a good speculative investment, but mm -hmm. you think this is going to stop people from buying millionaire tokens? No, I don't. I don't think the guy anticipated, (laughs) I don't think he anticipated crypto. Got it. Okay. Um, But actually, well, if anything, it seems like it makes it more appealing because I can buy this. I don't even have to pay cap gains on it. Yeah. It has nothing to do with land, which is the only source of tax revenue. Sure. Um, and, and he might have Creating some answers. tokens sounds really appealing, He does too. have some answers about uh, currency and that sort of stuff, and I don't know how he exactly addresses it. So, yeah, I'm not, I'm not saying that I follow this guy, but I did think that it was just, wow, it was just a radically interesting idea. And the one that I do sort of sink into is that what you don't want, and I don't know how to legislate against it, is, is that speculative, I'm not contributing, but I, I retain ownership of something, which, by the way, I didn't make. Like, mm-hmm. I bought that land from somebody who killed somebody to get it, and now I have a deed that says that it's mine for all time, and I mm-hmm. pass it down to my family. That's occurring outside of just land. It's occurring in stocks and all other sorts of things. But uh, you don't want that sort of holding and increasing of wealth for somebody who isn't contributing. And that is a fundamental problem in society. I don't know that this solution solves it, but I think it identifies a, a huge core of the issue. Sure. I just think of land as almost one of the less egregious sins. Mm-hmm. At least it's a thing you're buying, you're buying real land in the, but in the who, world we have. This of, is part of the problem is that you bought it from someone who never really owned it. That's part of it. Sure. But you can buy financial derivatives, which are bets on a stock that you don't even hold, uh, hold that the bank you bought it from doesn't even hold. Yeah. Yeah. So, to say that land is speculative and investing in speculative land is bad can be true, but to say shifting, listen, I'm not an economist, but say that shifting all of the U.S.'s tax revenue to landowners to curb speculative investing seems like it's not going to change when we have ways of using options to bet on things that we don't own, that the bank doesn't own, that we're, we're creating structured products that are supposed to mimic the performance of something without anyone having to hold it. I feel like it land is one of the least speculative things happening right now. So perhaps speculative isn't the right word. It's, it's, um, you don't, and I, I'm not disagreeing or saying I understand this deeply or that this is representative of this guy's philosophy, (laughs) but it's not just the speculative part. It's the, it's the enriching oneself without contributing, which I suppose is is included in speculation. But uh, that's what they're trying to mm-hmm. avoid. Yeah, it's interesting. It's also going to obviously have predictable outcomes. I think it's uh, this is the tough part. This is the, the hardest part about um, making change. Maybe this is a great idea. Maybe all of the questions that I have about it are outweighed by the incredible benefit of it. Mm-hmm. But obviously it will have outcomes that in hindsight are incredibly predictable, Mm -hmm. much like people who say that when you just give money, you create bad incentive structures that actually cause problems in the community that are worse than, they they end up worse off despite the fact that you had good intentions, right? So maybe this ends up with, well, any building that's taking up a lot of land is immediately going to get hammered. So a large supermarket or car manufacturing plants. So now- you're not hurting so much Wall Street investors that work in skyscrapers, but you're going to slaughter farmers and food prices will have to skyrocket. I assume farmers own a lot of land. Car prices probably skyrocket because I assume that their factories are fairly spread out from what I've seen at the Tesla factory at least. 
Uh, people will in the future try to buy small plots of land and just build up <laughs> to avoid this. Uh, so well, that's, well that, that their value of that would go up because that's a tremendous amount of value put into like, you know, a skyscraper is worth more than a home because of the value put into that. So I don't, yeah, I don't know how this would done, but I think this guy, you know, might be right in that a fundamental problem is land, but really the fundamental problem is people. The fundamental problem is that people want everything for as little as they can contribute. <laughs> and it's like until that we're kind of like water flowing downhill and we're, we're creating these institutions to try to catch yeah, the, the same, water. It's the same issue with the token. Yeah. Someone, you want to get rich without creating value. Yeah. So you buy, you buy what you hope is the next Dogecoin. So how do you get a society of people that don't want to get rich without helping? How do you mm -hmm. get a society of people that aren't, you know, the story of the little red hen who just want to eat the cake without contributing to the cake? Uh, can that exist in a human animal uh, at scale, that's the thing. You might be able to get families that are like that, but yeah, I'm just not societies, sure. Yeah, shifting, shifting taxes to land, I think, doesn't solve that fundamental thing. Which well, is it definitely doesn't want. solve the fundamental thing. And I tend to agree with you is that if you have the weight of this human greed weighing down on sort any sort of system, even one that is intelligently designed, like it will find a way to like puncture it mm -hmm. and flow to here's how I make the most money. And you can, pr I can promise you, the wealthiest people in the world will immediately get to work figuring out how to do that yeah. uh so yeah maybe it would be effective and it'd be a really sturdy barrier and maybe it wouldn't and i'm not i'm not i don't know how to uh see through the imaginary implementation of it to catch that yeah so. i think people are gonna everyone from the poorest people to the trillionaires will try to maximize their own wealth mm -hmm. and do it while inconveniencing themselves as little as possible. And if you change the tax rules, they're still going to have that meta game going. Yeah. I've thought about this. I was like, so is the answer education? Because what you're essentially trying to do is to get people to extend their sphere of selfishness. So like a, a tight sphere of selfishness is just you and your body and your needs. And then a larger one is your family. And then a larger than that is your extended family. And then you've got your neighborhood and your community, your state, your country, your the, the entire human population, and then non-human animals and then so you're, mm -hmm. you're just basically trying to get people to extend whose needs they take as their own and your poor monkey brain was evolved and to cap monkey, out at 120 people yeah that you know very well yeah. and have power over you can kick you out of the tribe if they if they gear up so yeah how do you yeah, and you're designed to just rip the testicles off of anyone that's outside <laughs> that monkey sphere yeah well you know, religion made it makes an attempt at it. Mm -hmm. Religion, not always. <laughs> Oftentimes it goes to the tribe. If you actually look at the many of the original texts and it extends so far as up to the believers and then no yeah, it further. just gets you from 120 people to <laughs> all believers. Yeah. A billion. Yeah. Potentially. Yeah. Well, even more if everyone believes. So that's why you got to start a war and you got, yeah, <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? That's why we got to make sure that it's everybody. Uh, so yeah, there's, there's been these evolutionary attempts to to get people to be less selfish governments are one of them incentive structures are another religions and so you know maybe a bit of education and humanism i don't know hopefully psychedelics is uh is the answer everybody just needs enough mushrooms <laughs> that cheap to grow and then it'll be easy yeah you need a very small plot of land yeah and then and then the homeless problem will solve itself because people will care about the homeless and their neighbor as as much as they care about themselves and the exact flow of money and resources will flow perfectly like uh, water finding its own level. But until that, 
might have to move. Yeah. <laughs> might have to not live here. It seems like a good time to talk about the NFT we're launching, though. We're selling Charlie's <laughs> Smile. So let us know in the comments how much you want to pay to um, own Charlie's Smile. Yes. Do you have any things that, sure, you, yeah. that you've brought? I got one. Thought it was interesting. New Zealand weightlifter will be the first openly trans competitor at the Olympics. I feel like normally when trans athletes come out in the news, it's at a high school level. Mm-hmm. And there's a thought about, listen, this isn't, this isn't gonna, this doesn't affect you. Basically, this is just someone in a high school. They're trying to express themselves. Don't worry about the impact of trans people on sports. You're being silly. Mm-hmm. And so this was the first time I saw it at the international level. The Olympics is the biggest stage you can possibly get for sports. Yeah. So I thought it was interesting. Yeah. I think, uh, I actually, this is not one that I, well, perhaps cause I don't do sports <laughs> and I, and I can't imagine it. I don't, have a lot of concern what i said to you and said to other people is that uh this if if this trend continues it seems obvious that uh male to female trans athletes are going to dominate uh far in disproportion to the size of the population that they make up in female sports uh if anybody disagrees with that i would be really shocked <laughs> oh yeah if this were if this were a male a female to male trans person i don't think anyone would have an opinion mm-hmm. on it Except yes. for that it was really impressive. Yes. So, and it's, yeah, so likely to uh, dominate win much, much uh, higher than one would expect if it were just a random draw. And I don't know. I don't really have a problem with that. And some people are worried because they say, you know, if I have a daughter or, um, you know, and, and I want her to be able to look up and say, hey, I could do this. There's a chance that I can do it. And I just go like... Man, I grew up and knew I couldn't do it, and I was a boy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, like, yeah. If I have a son and he's anything like me, he doesn't stand a well, chance I didn't. either. I was. I thought maybe with hard work I could make it to the NBA, and I was wrong. People are just saying, like, look, girls aren't going to be able to compete, and I'm going, yeah, neither are boys. Like, ninety nine point nine percent of them. Like, welcome to my my life. <laughs> I couldn't compete. I couldn't hang. Uh, only the most athletic people on the planet will compete, and there will be this other division of people, which is. Uh, female sports, and there's, I don't think there's going to be, I think there will be some bad actors, but I, I don't think it's... And, I don't think this person transitioned no, no. just to be in the Olympics. No, me neither. Um, there'll, there'll be bad actors for sure. There always are. And and trans uh, male to females will often win, and that will be the case. And if you look at the champions in the world in sports right now, what you would find is biologically you got 50% men, 50% women. And if you look at it, if this trend continues for another 20 years, what you'll see is... Well, I don't know. What is the term for in terms... I don't actually know the differentiator between uh, sex and gender, male, female versus men, women. What is the uh, woke way to delineate that? Okay, I can tell you the woke way. This is obviously something that people don't agree about. Um, Sex is... No, no, uh, I meant what's the term. So you said said right now it's 50% men, 50% women. And I was just saying, is I said that biological? So biological meaning uh, X Y chromosome. Yeah, or, yeah. So are you supposed to say fifty percent men, fifty percent women, or fifty yeah. percent male, fifty percent female? Oh, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, perhaps there's a there's a more precise term, but I, I don't know what I'm supposed to say. But I think I'm communicating <laughs> in a way that hopefully people understand. Um, but yeah, and I think in the future, if this trend continues, you will go from fifty fifty because we have like you know we have a men's MMA champ and a women's MMA champ, and, and we're not totally there. We're probably still at like sixty forty or even seventy thirty because there's more men's sports and more men's divisions and more men's weight classes in the UFC. But you'll go from whatever it is, and it will start to tilt even more towards there are going to be more biological male champions, and 
I don't personally mind that. Uh, I know that a lot of people are worried, but I, what I look at is not who was the champion pool. I'm looking at there were so many people who were losing anyway, and they were, yeah, they were yeah. all, like all the biological, all the biological men, the vast majority were not playing anyway. We're we're left out and completely. So we're like sure. only the the most athletic people stand a chance, and there's dozens of them at the top of any sport and uh i'm just i don't really care if the market will bear it and the market wants it i'm cool the only the problems that i have are when we start subsidizing professional level sports like the WNBA, which i think needs to have the nba money removed from it after 20 years and be forced to downsize stand on its own leg pay for arena time pay for commercials uh or or whatever needs to happen for it to become viable in a market mm-hmm. that had after 20 years of being subsidized so yeah i don't i'm sure that people disagree but i don't i'm not even that charged up about this one it just seems seems easy to me what do you think i just thought it was interesting i don't, I don't have a grand takeaway on how it reflects on society mm-hmm. just that it's that the the conversation was this is the high school level don't sweat it and now it's the olympics it's, it's as mm-hmm. high as you get yeah so I just think that's interesting. Was that the conversation? Yeah. Um, I guess the question is, and basically what you're saying is, as a society, do we, is it important? This is basically for, for you know, because I think that the trans issue can often be so zoomed out that they're like, is it a man? Is it a woman? I'm like, you got to, you got to specify. These are just words. These are categories that, that are meaningless to aliens from a different planet. You got to specify, is this a man or is this a woman in a particular context that is relevant? And does it matter? So do we care that our champions in sports uh, comport to biological, a certain biological group? Do we care that uh, that the losers group of kids at any certain age is going to be dominated by biological females if we start, make, well, I guess we wouldn't do trans at such a young age, but if you just mixed sports starting from birth, which you would see, is that not a lot of young girls were playing at the highest levels. But, and this, I'm not trying to remove girls' sports. I paid for sports my entire life. <laughs> I had to. My parents had to show up and pay for intramural because I wasn't going to make the publicly funded school team. There was no chance. So, like, you can have sports leagues that are of uh, shrunken skill levels, and mm-hmm. that can happen all through your life. You're worried that you're not going to play in college. Don't worry. I played in college and it wasn't on the sports team. I just had to pay for the gym time mm-hmm. and I had to pay for the ref because nobody wanted to watch me. Um, and you, I still will do it today. And you know, so that's, I do think that gets, that gets left out of the conversation. You can play sports forever. If you're not, <laughs> yeah, if you're not uh, on the collegiate team because you yeah. get beat out by somebody that that's, that means you don't get to play sports in college, but there's fraternity leagues, sorority leagues, intramural leagues, pick up games depending on the sport. You, like there's a lot of ways to participate in sports that aren't funded by the government it's or kind, your school. It's kind of weird to ask the community to pay for a sports team that nobody cares about or wants to do that is segmented to only a, a segment of a certain segment of society, like men or women, and to go, yeah, we're all going to pay for this even though nobody but the 14 of you on the team care, but we're all going to chip in. It's just, no, if you want to play, we got tennis courts, rent time on the courts, play, make your own team, make shirts. No, like Nobody's going to come just like nobody comes, and that's fine. And if people are interested... And it brings in a ton of revenue for the school, and we want to throw in for a giant football stadium because that's going to do it, and we all like that. Great, we can all chip in and pay for it. Um, but yeah, I, I like another thing that I hear is the young girls won't have anyone to look up to, and I go, uh, 
look, people don't like this, but like young boys don't go to OnlyFans and, and go, I see myself there one day making the most money as the top creator. Like, and we don't need to correct for that in society. Uh, if, if we don't have uh, a society that, or if, if women are not competitive in an equal pool against men, then that's okay. They can yeah. still play sports. You can still be a male model. You can still go on OnlyFans as a man. You can still do all this kind of stuff. We don't need to artificially insist that we have female athletes that are champions, just like we don't need to insist that there are white, Asian, black, anything. Just let set up the rules of the game. If you are a human, I'm prepared to not let gorillas in. I think that's fine. Or dogs or anything That would like fuck that. up the UFC that so fast. That would fuck them all up, yeah. <laughs> and look, you want to say you're the baddest man on the planet. Like, yeah, you're the baddest man, but every chimp would tear you apart. Sure. And this is an artificial thing. And as soon as there's chimp wars that people want to see, we can get those if, if we d- deem it ethical. Um, but yeah, I do think that, that the categories that we have, we, we can just get confused in the argument. These are arbitrary categories that are placed on, and I think that there's a lot of habit and a lot of knee-jerk reaction to, oh my God, this is going to ruin anything. My daughter's not going to have anyone to look up to. And I encourage you that your daughter does not to need to see a female champion of the world on a Nike thing to love sports, to play sports, to keep it as a massive part of her life for the entirety of her life. In fact, I think that would be healthier than holding someone up that is completely subsidized. That said, the Williams sisters are profitable and should still get to, you know what I mean? Like if people want to watch them play, Great, they they can be champions. I'm not I'm not advocating for the removal of categorizations in sports that the market bears. So I've just to be clear, like Conor McGregor is the most famous athlete on the planet, even though he keeps getting his ass kicked at 155. And if he ever moved up to 180, he would never ever ever win a fight or land a punch or do any damage to his opponent. Mm-hmm. Like we can create these artificial things where we pretend that you're the greatest. If the audience wants to do that. And so if you want to do that with uh, male-female divisions or weight classes or anything, God bless. But only if the audience and the market bear it, not as a subsidized thing, is my, I think, very unique opinion (laughs) on all of this stuff. What do you think? I thought it was well said. Okay, great. Also, we need to mention Patreon before we hop into questions. I know someone who listens to our podcast and loves it and did not know what patreon was so do we want to just say hey here's patreon a- uh patreon is our funding patreon keeps us going patreon is a platform for creators that don't have other monetizable ways like with this podcast we get some AdSense, but really the most of the money we get is from patreon uh it's for you guys to a just be able to kindly out of to keep us going to support us but then our in in response what we do is just try to make it worth your while and so we answer questions uh anyone who's in there as of now can ask a question a month and we'll, and we'll answer it and we do it oftentimes we it can take another hour and it's it's like another podcast where the topics are chosen by you guys um and it really helps it, it helps tremendously to keep this podcast going right now we are actually under the run rate required to keep the podcast going we have some savings for those jordan belfort clips which made a lot of ad rev but we are under the four thousand that we need to pay justin We're yeah for three. people for, because it's kind of unclear because Charlie and I obviously run other businesses. When yeah. we say keep the podcast going, all of the patron money goes to Justin because he is here right now doing the camera switching because he will edit it afterwards, make the thumbnails, put the clips up, run the discord for patrons. And so, yeah, if it is only by the blessing of our patrons that we have this podcast because they allow us 
to hire Justin. So that's yeah. that is what the donations go to. Yeah. They go and as, to and as as much as I Justin. enjoy doing this, I don't want Charisma on Command to be spending four thousand dollars a month for me to talk to Ben, which I can do yeah. <laughs> on my own. So that's that it does keep us going. Yeah. Charlie, you've mentioned before that you think one shouldn't preface any performance. For instance, if you're new to guitar, you shouldn't say, sorry, this is bad. I just learned to play it. Uh, here it is. Nor this lick is amazing. You'll love it. I've been working on it for months. Why is that? So it's not never. It's not never. It is to recognize, and I do this still, that oftentimes when you do that, you're saying, hey, I'm, not, I'm no good. You are trying to... Lower the expectation such that you don't disappoint the person. And a good habit to get into is to just do what you can. <laughs> you know, to just do what you can and allow for disappointment or to be impressed. Partially, one, because it's it's a good thing to sit there and disappoint someone. But also because I do think that it can, it can create, and I, I experienced this, it can create habits of crappy performance. So rather than allowing yourself... To potentially do really well and to be the guy that can play really well and not sing really poorly and, and to get in their mind, uh, to just let it go. I, it, that's that's my my sense of it. In terms of saying this is an awesome lick, maybe I said that. I, I think I was leaning in the video where I said it more towards the lowering of expectations such that you could exceed them. Mm-hmm. I think that there's sometimes where I'd be like, listen to this sick lick and you'd kind of just get the idea in their head that it's going to be amazing and it's, it's okay. Sure. <laughs> and I don't know that I have as much... Um, as much advice to not do it, but it's not a never. It's definitely people, not a never. People also just don't know if you're not if you're not a surfer, you don't know what good surfing is. Yeah. If you're not a guitarist, people you don't know what good guitar play is. Like I've seen you play and said you were amazing. I do this and all. You say, th- this is why I did this. You say I, I suck at this. And I go, dude, you're <laughs> really good. If you just brought up a bunch of people like me who have never played guitar and said, hey guys, I'm gonna play guitar for a sec and play it, they would think you were amazing. In, except you keep telling us that you suck. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, this is why I made it because Ben thinks that I'm really good at guitar and I think that I suck and I do this. And I and Ben's goes, dude, that was awesome. I was like, I made so many mistakes. Yeah. I don't know how you didn't notice or and he thinks it's all on purpose. <laughs> so or just don't catch him. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so that's why. And it's not. A, it's if I said never, never say never. <laughs> it's 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 nothing that I have said is without exception but it's 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 a good habit to let yourself just sit in the discomfort of potentially disappointing someone i think i also think there's a also a genuine compared to whom mm-hmm. like when i was doing jujitsu it's like oh how good are you at jujitsu well if i go up against my coach who was a professional fighter for 10 years and has been training for 15 years after that i'm awful but compared to you you, you have no hope at all i will tap you undoubtedly so mm-hmm. it's like am i good or not that's almost hard. I can't, how do I answer this? Like compared to whom? Same yeah. with guitar. Like, uh, are you a good guitarist compared to me? You, Jimi Hendrix. Yeah, yeah. I tried to play guitar. I suck. You know, compared to Jimi Hendrix. <laughs> no, you suck. <laughs> but who are you anchoring to? Yeah. I actually think there's a genuine argument to be made that you simultaneously are incredible at guitar and suck at guitar. Yeah. And so, so which side what is are, this which person, frame are you going to sit in? Yeah. Well, also, what is this person coming in with? They are they do they think you're Eric Clapton? And if you don't play at that level, then you're you suck. Probably not until you tell them you suck. So it's also not useful because of the malleability of honest truth when it comes to skill in things with such a wide mm-hmm. gap. The guy that everybody, uh, the guy that everybody says sucks in the NBA, 
shows up to a D1 college team and is the greatest player that has ever played on the team. Mm -hmm. Do they suck? Compared to whom? So yeah, I think it's just not useful for you to anchor yourself as sucking because a lot of people would think you were amazing because of what they're expecting when they see a guitarist, which is they tried to play guitar for a month (laughs) and could never get past hot cross buns. Yeah. So I don't know. That's my take. But I do, I, I also think that to the other side of this, it, before I would play the guitar, I would not want to sit down and tell someone how good I am, how awesome, how long I've been playing, because then they might anchor me to the music that they've heard on the radio or some guy that they've seen on YouTube, and that's not who I am No, my, either. My, I, mean, I haven't t- put a ton of this thought into this, but my take when someone says, are you good? I go, I don't know. I've been surfing for four years. I've been yeah. surfing, well, six years now. Are you good at jujitsu? I don't know. I've, I've been training for three years. That's like kind that's, of what I do now with guitar. I, say, I just say how I go, depends on your perspective. I, here's how long I've been playing. Sure, if I were going to say, is Charlie good at guitar? Well, he's been playing since he was a kid. He's been playing for a decade plus. He's never been in a band or a professional, but he has a lot of practice. Mm-hmm. I think that's the more useful answer. Mm-hmm. Also yeah. useful, by the way, if it's like, oh, yeah, I've been playing for a month. They'll get a sense <laughs> for what you expect. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Uh, next is, what do you guys think of vaccine equity? I just find that it's very hypocritical that people in developed countries, especially on the left, demonize people for not getting vaccinated, even though there is a shortage of vaccines and all the rich countries are hoarding them. If you think rich people should pay more taxes for social welfare, rich countries should pay for vaccines in poor countries, right? It's crazy that people in rich countries are not discussing whether to vaccinate kids, or it's crazy that people in rich countries are discussing whether to vaccinate kids or not, while tons of people are dying in poorer ones. Also, new variants are being mutated because of this. People in rich countries have no idea how privileged they are. I agree. I think it's uh, very odd that there are countries that want to buy vaccines. My impression, at least, I was just reading about an NBA player that tried to do this for his home country. He tried to buy vaccines from places in the U.S. so that he could send them to his country. And he's got a lot of money. He said, if I spend $10 million on this, I can vaccinate my entire country. But they won't sell him the vaccines because they want to keep them in case more of the populace wants to get vaccinated. And I think that that makes sense for a time. But I think in a country where you're not going to mandate it, and you're not going to say as a government, you have to get vaccinated or we'll arrest you, at some point, you have to hit a time threshold where you go, everyone who's going to voluntarily get vaccinated has had the opportunity. Surely no one has been dying to get vaccinated since it came out, but they just haven't had a chance to get it yet. And I think when that threshold hits, you should let people have the opportunity to buy the vaccine to get it to their country that doesn't have access sure. to it. Sure. I think, honestly, we. this is really sad, and I, I didn't know if I was going to say it, but Lucho, who runs our ran our Spanish channel, died of COVID. Um, and he's, he was in Argentina. I believe he was immunocompromised. And, yeah, I... Wish he could have got a vaccine, man. I really fucking do. Um, I think it's a bummer that in so many things, though I understand why our our sense of take care of and compassion goes as far south as the Rio Grande and up to Canada and to the edges, and that's that's it. You know, and uh, that we can have such uh, abundance within a particular thing of a particular thing stuff like vaccines and then such a dearth outside but yeah the bigger thing is yeah it's uh we love you lucho i'm sad it sucked i cried a bunch last night um and it was sad he just hit a million subscribers on the channel and like 
the day or right right there, and he was in the hospital for a long time. So, bummer. But yeah, let's do another one. Uh, last one is I want to figure out how I can get a hold of shrooms or other psychedelics. I live in Florida, and unless I grow them for myself, it's still illegal. I have never bought any sort of drugs before. How do I find a good source? I don't know if this is. I'm not going to talk about. I it. don't. <laughs> I don't think we can answer this question okay, for you. I'm sorry, but. Yeah. Uh, that is something that you'll have to explore on your own, I think, for a variety of reasons. Mm-hmm. Also think it's worth mentioning, because I do, we do talk a lot about the benefits of psychedelics. These are intense substances, not to be taken lightly. Uh, and often, when they are done therapeutically, they're done with a guide, a professional, a shaman. And I think it's just worth recognizing that you can do too much or you can do a totally reasonable amount but not have the right care afterwards and it can mess you up so mm-hmm. i think just for as often as we recommend it it's worth us saying we are also not flippant about using it and mm-hmm. i wouldn't recommend people self-administer this stuff i, I know someone no. who self-administered ayahuasca and had a very very tough time for months because of it and it's important to have this done in a safe space and it's important to have integration afterwards and have someone to talk to if things feel like they're out of control or you need help. Tim Ferriss talks about this with, if he hadn't had professionals around him, he thinks he would have had a psychotic break and forever been schizophrenic, wow. basically mentally unstable. Wow. And he, he credits the people he did. I believe it's still Sibin with for saving his life in that respect. So this stuff's great. It's amazing. It's the future. It will be, legal and regulated and come from a therapist who can just give it to you over the counter. I truly believe that. And I think it'll happen very soon. I think it'll happen this decade for sure. But also it's important to set yourself up in an environment where you are safe and taken care of and you have an expert watching your back because yeah, it breaks people. So it's just worth, it's yeah. worth saying because we talk a lot about the benefits. Yeah. No, I'm in, I'm in the same boat. I'll talk about it in a couple of weeks. I told you, but the last seven days for me, uh, because of the psychedelics that I've done, I have had sober, light psychedelic experiences consistently. And if I didn't have a support system, that could be that could freak me out. And it has freaked me out. And I'm I'm good. I'm okay. It's great. But man, if I didn't have uh, someone who'd walked that path before and could tell me that I'm not insane. Even just that is is deeply helpful. But yeah, I've been having mini psychedelic trips with nothing in my system and nothing in my system for a long time. Mm. And so like that can happen and and it's it can be a great thing, but it can also be a bad thing. So just don't just find the substance, I think. I think it is it is and has been for me important to find a practitioner mm-hmm. as well. And I've paid handsomely for it. And I'm fortunate enough to be able to do that. Some people are like Look, the practitioner is like a four-digit number, and the tr- this is like a two-digit number just yeah. to get the substance. But I mean, to be fair, I'm <laughs> listen. I didn't always follow my own advice when I was younger. I've yeah. done for fun random mushrooms in on a beach in a foreign country. It's not the same therapeutic experience. It's yeah. the other thing. Yeah, I, I, I swam with mermaids and got swallowed <laughs> by a dragon. I was like, this is so stick. It's so fun. Yeah, I replaced Charlie with a stick. The stick was my best friend for a day, and but at the same time, it wasn't at all therapeutic it didn't help me in any way to be a better in better shape emotionally or spiritually or anything like that the next day so yeah even just getting your hands on a random substance that can be therapeutic 
isn't necessarily even going to be helpful if you don't have the psychotic break. Yes. So yeah, this stuff's amazing. It's going to be legal. And at the same time, tread very carefully and make sure you have an environment that can help you, protect you. Cool. And that's it. Yeah. We'll see, see those of you on Patreon, uh, on Patreon in a minute. Thanks guys. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.